Hello, I'm Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco, and welcome to another episode of the RSO Roundup. We have an interesting show today to talk about. Um, we, like I've mentioned before, uh, what we do here is we highlight different areas and aspects and people in our department. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we have Corporal Roberts from the Coroner's Bureau. And we are going to talk about everything coroner today. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, sir, for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So before we get going with all of the the good stuff about dead bodies and how we investigate (laughs) dead bodies, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to this point in your life to be a deputy coroner? Yeah, for sure. So I actually started my career with the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office in 1994, And then I came over to Riverside County in 2001 and started out as a coroner technician, which means I assisted our doctors with autopsies. And then from there in 2005, I got promoted to deputy coroner. And the whole time that I was with the department, I was at our Paris facility because we have two offices in the county. And then just recently, just last year, I got promoted to coroner corporal. And now I'm covering our East End office, which is out in India. Very nice. Very nice. So you've been with uh, two different agencies, but you've been with us for a long time. I have. 21 years now. Very nice. Yes. That time flies. It does. Very much so. Mm-hmm. So uh, interesting for the people out there listening that, uh, you know, when we talk about deputies, we we have many different deputies in our department. We have deputies assigned to corrections. We have deputies assigned to patrol. We have deputies assigned to court. Uh, and I don't know or if anybody even realizes that we have deputy coroners that actually go out and do the investigations to death scenes. Right, right. So basically what happens with us is that um, anytime somebody dies at a residence or at a hospital, We'll get phone calls from the deputy sheriffs. We also work with other agencies, such as the Riverside Police Department, the smaller agencies. Um, They will call us and let us know, hey, there was a death at XYZ residence. Um, They'll give give us the information, and we will determine whether or not that death falls within the coroner's jurisdiction. If it's a natural death, for example, of an 89-year-old female that has a significant medical history, like a heart history or some type of cancer, or they die at home on hospice, typically we release that decedent to the mortuary. If it's anything like an accidental drug overdose, a suicide, somebody falls off their roof and sustains head trauma, or a homicide, um, even buried bodies, we go out on those cases and um, we are basically the eyes and the ears for the forensic pathologist who will perform the autopsy and determine the cause of death. So when you when you you take custody of that body and you escort, bring it back to the coroner's bureau, and then you are basically that liaison from that scene to that doctor as that doctor tries to uh, pretty much determine the cause, the mode, the manner of death. That's correct. We actually have a a Latin phrase um, within the coroner's bureau. I think all agencies use this, and I can't say the Latin term, but in English, it basically says, we represent the dead while we speak for the living. So that's what we like to go off of. Um, oftentimes, me, myself, I can't speak for everybody else, but I like to talk to my decedents sometimes, you know, just tell me what's going on with you. Tell me what's happening because the decedent gives you the story of what's going on with them, what happened to them. Um, and then that's where we report back to the doctor and give them the information of what was happening in the field. Very interesting. Yes. So the, just to, to clarify for everyone, and in case some people don't know, uh, we have deputies. I'm the sheriff, so they are sheriff's deputies. Correct. Well, I'm also the coroner. You are. And so you are 
deputy coroners. Correct. And you act on basically on behalf of the coroner going out and doing your portion of that death investigation uh, for that completed one that combines the doctor saying, you know, all the medical reasons and, and what they find in autopsies and, and things like that. That's but um, that's where deputy coroner comes from is you're a deputy for the coroner. It is. Very it nice. Is, yes. So it, it was um, it, even to myself, you know, when I was a deputy, uh, when you when you have that death, I mean, it's I don't want to say it's nice, but I liked calling you out to do that because <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I don't want to I don't want to be turning and looking and moving dead bodies. And it's not, your job is not a, and I I don't, I don't want to mean it disrespectful or anything because it's certainly not, but it's not a glamorous. Not by any means. Job. It's, I mean, you are dealing with, I mean, some of the deaths that we find, I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, digging up people and, uh, you know, people have been dead for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So that, that decomposed body is not really something that I everybody can mess. handle, yes. right? Not you, everybody you have to can be a very, that. very strong, uh, not only you know, physically but emotionally strong person to come out and and mentally just make sure you get through that situation. For sure, and we do see some crazy things out there, things that people can't fathom. You know, we get calls all the time that people think they could do our job. You know, well, I watch CSI all the time. Yeah, but that's made for TV. And I'll admit they have some pretty awesome graphics on those shows, but that's not real life. You know, they don't get to see what we see. They don't get to smell the smells that we smell um, because it isn't glamorous. And, you know, there aren't a lot of deputies or officers that do like to help us. They will if they have to. But a lot of times they're squirming away from us because they know that we're there and we're going to handle that decedent. Yeah. I I will say that it got easier for me, but I remember the first time that I had to actually touch a a dead body. Mm -hmm. That's an experience. It is. That's, I mean, you, because your, your brain is telling you that that's a person, right? But there, there's no longer life in there and it really isn't a person anymore. And you, you actually feel that it was a, it's hard. I don't know if I could ever be able to describe that, but it was certainly a a different feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of us um, that have been doing this job for quite some time is, you know, yes, that decedent is somebody's loved one, that's somebody's son, somebody's daughter, their husband, their wife. We do treat them with the utmost dignity and respect. It doesn't matter if they're an angel on earth or if they have a rap sheet a million miles long, they're still somebody's loved ones. Um, So we do treat them with utmost dignity and respect. And I think one thing that helps us because we do deal with death every single day, it's, it's morbid. You know, we, like I said, we don't see things that, or we see things that other people don't typically see on a day to day basis. People drive by that car accident and, you know, they want to get that one little glimpse of the dead body and we're like, move it along. Um, but, you know, they, they don't get to see that all the time. And so one thing that we have to look at is it's just the body. It's just the shell. The soul is gone. Right. You know, and you don't have to be overly religious to think about it in that aspect. Um, but we do still treat them with dignity and respect. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've been reached out to by family members mm-hmm. or um, friends or something that, that were also at the scene or that you had to deal with afterward um in in before we release the body to a, a mortuary or something mm-hmm. and uh the amount of respect they have for you all and and the how they tell me how they were treated yeah. was just 
over the top. Right. So it's uh, it does take a special person to do it. Tell us um, what's a what's a day in the life of Corporal Roberts? How I mean your uh. day? How does your day start and end? Um, so we work twelve hour shifts. Um, I work from six a.m. to six p.m. And like I said, I work out in the desert. So my day starts a little earlier than everybody else. I'm up at about 3.45 in the morning and get ready. And I make my hour and 15-minute drive into Indio, which I actually don't mind. It's kind of a little bit of reflection time and, you know, time to think about things and how the day might go. Although you can never really determine what's going to happen on a day-to-day basis. Um, we arrive into the office and we ask our coworkers from the night shift if there's anything holding. Sometimes we have cases where... We can barely even get our stuff in the door, and we're heading right back out into the field. Um, you know, we respond, like I said, to all those different types of cases. Um, there's other days where we just handle office work. We're talking to doctors and nurses and mortuaries, taking those unattended cases from the deputies and officers. And that's typically our day-to-day. Sometimes we get out after our 12-hour mark, and there's other days we go all the way to 16. Um, you know, it's one of those things if we're out, say, on a homicide scene and it's, oh, it's 1800 hours. We can't just go bye bye. Yeah. You know, we have to we have to stay out there and complete the case There's and, lots until of it's done. Involved. There is there is call but, outs in the middle of the night. You know what? We actually don't get called out. We're not because on call you're on, because someone's working because somebody's working. So we are a 24 seven operation. So we always have deputies and usually sergeants on duty 24 seven. Um, we used to have to do call outs in the middle of the night and thankfully we don't have that anymore. I'm too old for that kind of stuff. <laughs> we're still short people. So if anybody out there is listening, watching, yeah. um, we are, we are always hiring. We are. Um, so between our two offices right now, we have two coroners lieutenants. We have seven sergeants. Uh, we have 22 deputy coroners, two coroner corporals. There's myself and another corporal who's in our Paris office. Um, and we're definitely bringing more in. I think we have a, a new person starting here next week at the start of the pay period. Um, we have our coroner technicians. I think we have about uh, 14 coroner technicians, and they're the ones that assist our forensic pathologists with the autopsies. So we're definitely a busy two offices. Yes, and and the coroner's bureau is really, I mean, even including including the doctors, this is a uh, it is an investigative body. It, it is. is. It is from the time you get notified until that doctor has completed his report. It's an investigation into how someone died and the cause of their death. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, the deputy coroners, they're just body picker uppers. But that's not us. You know, we take all of that information from the deputies, the officers, uh, hospital staff. We're the ones that make the decision on whether or not that person falls within the coroner's jurisdiction. And if they do, we're writing full-fledged three to eight page reports sometimes, you know, depending on the cir- circumstances of the death. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a process. And then if they have a full autopsy that's performed, same thing, the doctors are writing, you know, five page autopsy report as well. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into a death investigation for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge investigative body that, you know, the, the size, we're a very, very large county, mm-hmm. Uh, the size of the deputies and the, the the supervision and the clerical staff that we have there, right? I mean, that's the that's bigger than some police departments. Absolutely, and just to kind of give a people uh, give the people an idea of the area that we cover. So we have our Paris office, and they'll cover as far west as the Orange County line, as far north as the San Bernardino County line, as far south as the San Diego County line, and then they'll go as far east as Hagen Lehman, which is just out past. Casino Morongo. 
from there, our NDO office will pick up at Hagen Lehman and go all the way out to the Arizona border. Um, so we do have a, a pretty big area. Even though we're not the largest county, we do have a pretty big area. It is a big area. Yeah. And, you know, the, the size and the remoteness sometimes. I mean, we just had the the hiker that was that was killed in right. over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And that was a long ways out. That was right. a hike for you all to get in there. Right. We had to fly the helicopter in to get them mm-hmm. out. Uh, we're, we're very remote. We're very large. It's 7,000 something square miles. Right. That's a, that's a big department. We're a very large agency. For sure. And with two and a half million people, there's, there's a lot of people dying. Right. And with that being said, um, you know, something that people may not know is that within the coroner's bureau, we do have specialized teams as well. So we have our CERT team, which is the coroner incident response team. I am a part of that team. Um, so if we do have somebody in the remote areas, we'll work with aviation. We get to fly on the helicopters. We're hoisted down into the canyons sometimes, or we'll hover step and, you know, we'll do a little hike into where that decedent might be. And sometimes we get a pretty good workout on those types of cases. Um, we also have deputies that are on the dive team. And they'll go out if we have drownings at Lake Paris or Lake Elsinore, they'll go out on as part of the dive team. And they'll also conduct the death investigation. Um, we have our unidentified program as well, which is is really starting to go into full force now. Um, we're really trying to get these unidentified cases identified if we can. We now have the rapid DNA at our office, mm-hmm. um, which has definitely helped, you know, thankfully to the grants that we've gotten and so forth. Um, and then just everything else that we've gotten in our office as far as our Lodox machine, which can take x-rays with just in an, a couple minutes. You know, we can find a projectile in the back and the doctor can zoom in on it. It's it's pretty awesome, yeah, the modern technology. Amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. And then we have our CT scanner now too, which will also help our doctors with the autopsies and determine whether or not an autopsy needs to be performed. So we have some pretty high tech stuff. Very nice. We it's like a, it. it we're, we're very proud of our, our coroner's bureau, uh, the work that you all do. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it does... It really does take a special person to be able to do it. You have to you have to not only want to be a deputy and want to be in mm-hmm. law enforcement, but you have to you have to have that ability to separate yourself enough to concentrate on that investigation at right. hand even though you're not yeah. speaking to someone. Absolutely. You know, and and one good thing about all of our deputies and our sergeants, really just all of our staff is everybody is really good about debriefing each other. Um, I remember one time I went out on a triple homicide in the city of Riverside and between the three victims, which two of which were children, um, it was an 18 month old and a three year old. My son was three at that time. So it kind of hit me, but you know, you get into work mode. I always say it's work now and cry later. And by the time I got back to the office, you know, my sergeant was like, hey, I just want to make sure you're okay. And even the following day, somebody had called me. I just want to make sure you're doing okay. And it's like, you don't really realize what you're doing when you're out there as far as what you're seeing. And then you finally sit down and you're like, whoa, what did I just see out there? You know, so, I mean, we are human. We're all affected by it. Absolutely. Um, there have been times where I think all of us have shed a tear or two on scenes. You know, there's there's some pretty gnarly things out there that we see and even just deaths of children, you know, making a death notification, knocking on somebody's door and letting them know that their loved one is never coming home again. That's to me, that's the hardest part of our job really in dealing with the kids. Yeah. There's, there's that persona of, of a cop, of a, of a deputy being this stoic, no emotion 
facts right. only type of a person. But the reality is, is we're all moms and we're all dads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we have emotions just like everybody Absolutely. else. And you, I mean, you said it good. I, I don't know if I've ever heard it been said, said mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, there, I think there's a lot of crying later that mm-hmm. happens that, that, that we may just not want to admit to right. uh, because we're supposed to be ha- having that that stoic sure. persona and uh, the reality is is nobody's like that no so no. it's um i mean we see the the things that we see are not what the normal person mm-hmm. sees the, i mean you mentioned you know people on the freeway driving by and they just want to see a glimpse of that mm-hmm. um it's not glamorous up front right it's not glamorous when you get up close mm-hmm. and you're seeing mangled bodies or right. you know bullet holes or missing right body parts <laughs> i mean it's there's there's a lot of things that can that we have to remain so professional i mean we have a job to do i mean right. it's it's so you know the deputy responding it's their job to secure and and figure out the the basics but when they call you out there it's your job to figure out what happened and how and why and right. it's a it's a process. It's not just you right. know, just come out and yeah. oh, anybody can do it. Right? No, nope. you know, and we do have people that will come in for ride-alongs. Well, not so much now, but um, you know, we're trying to get back into the whole ride-alongs and such. And uh, you know, people think, oh, I could totally th- do this job, and they come in and they're like, not going to do it. Can't yeah. handle it. You know, even just on a, a fresh death, it's just completely different than what you see on TV. Yeah, um, I, I think there. That's what. I get the most from the public mm-hmm. is, well, they saw it on TV. Right. And why can't we do that? Mm-hmm. Why are you, why did it take longer than 60 minutes, not counting commercials? Right. I mean, it's, the, the TV is, has done a, a disservice to us a little bit. For sure. But um, what you see on TV for the most part is real. It just, it's not as fast. It's a little played up. Um, you know, if we happen to be a little more modern and high tech technology. If we had a lab in our office, we might be able to get those toxicology screens a little bit quicker. But that is something else that we have had access to just recently is that they can do a a faster toxicology screen to determine if somebody has fentanyl in their system, methamphetamine, cocaine, stuff like that, so that we don't have to have the families wait six to eight weeks to get those results. Yes. And I mean, this, you just, my ears just perked up and, Mm -hmm. and these, these episodes, these, uh, when we do these podcasts, they are live, they are not edited. I, you, I didn't tell you what we're going to talk about. You didn't tell me and we didn't go over anything, but what you just said, I'm hoping that, um, either our board of supervisors are listening Mm -hmm. or, uh, enough people out there to call our board of supervisors and tell them of the need for us to have our own lab. For sure. Uh, that is, you know, that is something that we've been we've been talking about. We're such a big agency that we certainly do need our own lab. Right. Uh, so we're not waiting on the state for months and months and months and months. Right. On simple results, yeah. uh, drug results. Sometimes you know we can get those quick from a lab, but mm-hmm. it certainly would be nice if we had our own way of doing it. Absolutely. It would it certainly make our jobs a lot quicker, convenient, easier, yes. and really in the end, it's providing a better service to the public in that they they get that expeditiously instead of months down the road. Right. And, you know, and with that being said as well, even with our examinations that we do perform, whether it's an external examination or an autopsy with our department, one thing that I really pride 
our department in is that we do try to have a pretty fast turnaround to have those decedents released to the mortuaries once the examination is complete. Typically, it's 24 to 48 hours, but that also depends on the day of the week and, you know, what else is happening uh, within the county. So that's another good thing because some agencies, unfortunately, they're so understaffed and they're keeping decedents in their offices for, you know, weeks to months on end. And so that's one good thing about our bureau is that we really do try to expedite um, the examination so that the family can proceed with their services. You know, nobody should have to grieve and wonder what's going on at the coroner's office. Or drag that grieving process on as right. long as yeah, possible. Exactly. I mean, we, we want it over with as quick as we can for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Anything else you want to add about the excitingness of your job or? Gosh. Well, you know, I, I love this field. Obviously I've been in it for well over 25 years. And one thing that I like about it is it's something new every day. I'm not sitting in an office just answering the phones every day. I could go to five different drug overdoses and they're always different circumstances. You know, it could be unfortunately the transient that's out on the roadway to to somebody that's in a middle-class family, to somebody that's in a high-class family that overdoses. It's just always a different set of circumstances. And that's one thing that I really like about my job. Any case that stands out in your career? Um, yeah, you know, we go back to talking about work now and cry later. Um, when I worked in LA County, I was called out to a homicide and it happened to be in the apartment complex that I was living in. And we got there and the investigator was getting the name of, of the decedent. And I said, hmm, I went to school with a guy with that name. That's, that's weird. But what are the chances? You know, and your adrenaline's going so much that you kind of don't really think too much about it. And like I said, it was a homicide. Um, unfortunately, he was brutally murdered over a Nintendo um, because his brother owed some people some money. And when I got in and looked at him, I said, that's not him. And they went and asked where he worked. And I had even told my investigator, I said, if they say this place at the mall, it's him. And they came back and they said, this is where he worked at. And I just you know, makes they, it very, very personal. Yeah. You know, and they said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm good. I got home and I called my mom. I lived with my, well, he was my boyfriend at that time, but he's now my husband lived with him. And I called my mom and I said, you're never going to believe what I just did. And she said, what? And I said, I just worked on this person. Like, I can't believe this happened. And it's just something it's, it's burned into my brain and, you know, it will always remain there. But one good thing about it is that I was able to help the family kind of understand what was going on with the process and everything. So that's always a good thing. You had that personal touch for them too. Absolutely. You know, and and there are some cases that just, you never forget about them. You know, they're just kind of permanently burned into your brain and, and you just don't forget about them. Yeah. So, but it's a good field. We like it. You know, everybody that's in our field is there because they like it. It's not because they have to be there. It's not because they want to look at dead bodies all day long. And no matter um, what, it's exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's something different every day. And, and that's what we like. So we've been talking about really much, you know, about your day-to-day job and, and you're dealing with death investigation and everything else. But that's not all our coroner deputies do. You're engaged quite a bit with community outreach. We are, um, especially with this time of year. Um, you know, we have our high school juniors and seniors who are going to prom, they're going to graduation. So um, we participate quite a bit in the Every 15 Minutes program. 
which is focused around uh, youthful drunk driving, pretty much. Um, usually the coroner is asked to go out there and participate in a mock um, traffic accident scene. We roll up, uh, you know, we conduct the investigation at the scene for just a couple minutes. Um, and then typically we'll give a presentation in the classroom as well to the participants um, of that program. And it just kind of sheds a little more insight to them as far as driving under the influence during these times, you know, if you're going to party, party, do whatever you need to do. But trust me, your parents want you to come home. <laughs> They'd be more happy if you call them at two o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I'm drunk, please come and get me as opposed to now I'm knocking at your door. Absolutely. We'd like to stop that from happening so we don't have to do a, go out and do the normal part of our job. For sure. For sure. Um, we also go into our classrooms through our local high schools as well um, and give presentations just on the coroner's office. Our administrative deputy coroner just did a presentation at San Jacinto High School for um, their criminal justice class. I think it was on courtroom testimony. Um, so that's good because, again, you know, we do get called into court as well. Um, I was just in court last week on a homicide investigation from 2020. Um, you know, so we have to prepare for that as well. But it's good to get out there and do these career days. Um, I did a career day at my daughter's high school in Nuevo a couple years ago. And that was a lot of fun. Because again, a lot of times the kids don't know what we do or what is the coroner? You know, sometimes they just don't know. So it's good to get out there and educate people, especially our younger kids, and let them know what the coroner's office is about. And then, of course, this past weekend, uh, we had the expedited hiring event at BCTC, which was a lot of fun. And we were invited to come out there. Thank you very much. We had a great outcome, especially for, you know, the coroner's office. We had a lot of people that came up and were really interested. Um, so, you know, it's just getting out there and getting the coroner's office out there and telling people what it is that we do that really helps a lot. Very good. So We can yeah. always use more help. Absolutely. Very good. Thank you. Corporal Amy Roberts from our coroner's bureau. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today and filling us in on all the interesting things that come out of the coroner's bureau. So thank you very much. Thank you for having and me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> for all of you, thanks for watching and listening, and we will see you next time on the RSO Roundup.